Good morning and uh, welcome to the Cambridge Vineyard. Um, welcome to everyone here and to everyone joining us online. It's great to have you with us on this fourth Sunday of Advent and this week's focus is love. We're going to bring up Scotty now. Sorry, I call him Scotty. I've known him since he was 15 years old. So he will always be Scotty. Always, always. Thank you. You're welcome. When I was in policing, that's what every, all the guys and gals called me was Scotty. And uh, then I, I guess you come into church, it's a little more serious. So you can't do that. So, so that was unusual to hear that. Brought back memories. <laughs> oh, yeah, good ones. Yeah, absolutely good ones. Absolutely. Um, so I thoroughly enjoy Advent and being able to just slowly walk towards Christmas and the whole celebration of the birth of our Savior. And I appreciate how the church, when it formed this, what we call Advent, and the uh, various themes that we circle around, we orbit around, which is hope, peace, joy, and then love. Such key things that reflect who Jesus is and reflect what the kingdom is all about. And I really appreciate that. Yesterday morning, I, um, I went for my usual early Saturday morning longish type run that I do. And yesterday, I chose to go down the uh, Paris Trail which is flat bo- and I was going to say boring. It is boring because it's, it's made for a train. It's not made for people to walk on or run on. And what I don't do when I run is I don't have music playing in my ears. I don't wear the earbuds. Um, I started out that way, but I broke away from that because well, I want to hear. I want to hear nature. <laughs> and as well, if you're out in the road, I wasn't on the road, but if you're out in the road, you want to hear cars coming, right? It's sort of important. You know, so I want to be aware. But the thing with yesterday was, so you got the wind, you got the wet snow. It was damp and cold. And so it can turn into a bit of a slog when you're running and running. And especially the Paris Trail, because you don't have to think where you're stepping. You can, you can sometimes actually just close your eyes for a couple seconds. And you're not going to go off the trail or trip or anything, which is the beauty of it. But there's something else, too. You get, you get a little bored, and so what you end up doing is you, you start running through some songs in your head, right, to give you some sort of entertainment. And you, or you could think, because you've got lots of time to think, think things through. So yesterday, I started just going through the, the playlist, what I call the playlist in my head, for Christmas carols. And, uh, you know, I, you're tr- wanting to find one that's going to be an incentive to run. Right, you don't want slow, and you don't want too fast. Right? You just want a nice song. And the one I stumbled upon that was I found I was singing uh, was "Joy to the World" because actually it has a good beat for running. It's pretty good, actually. It, it works. And um, and the interesting thing here's the interesting thing I found yesterday, discovered yesterday, and I think I knew this before, but I discovered that when you got when you got to sing a song that's in your head. You have to recall the words. And you may think you know all the words to all the carols. Actually, you don't. If I had you actually, you know, pick a carol and sing it, you might stumble over a few words and just, because now you've got to really think about it. 
The other thing, interesting thing about doing that is that you actually have to think about the words. And that was fairly amazing to me yesterday when I was going through Joy to the World. Did you know Joy to the World was written by an English minister just over 300 years ago? It's a hymn. And it's Isaac Watts. And he's a hymn writer. And the thing about what he composed, the words he wrote, is that the words are absolutely brilliant. Like, I mean, absolutely brilliant because he takes in one song, he packs in the whole theme of the good news. Like, everything. Like, boom. It's there. In one song. You know, that, that takes skill. That takes work. Right? And he, he just captured it. And here's what he wrote. Joy to the world. Why? The Lord is come. And then he says, let earth <laughs> receive her king. Let every heart here prepare a room for him. Prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Not just, not just us, nature. That's what he's calling for. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. Why? The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Meaning, let your songs be of this. That our Savior reigns. He's saying. While remembering that fields and floods and rocks, hills and plains, together we all repeat this sounding joy. This joy that the Savior has come, the Savior reigns. And then he goes on. And this was the weirdest thing for me. In this third one, as I'm going through my head thinking about it, singing it, I start to choke up. <laughs> it's like, hold on, I can't do this running. <laughs> right? Because what have I come across anybody? But it's, he writes, no more. Let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. How far? Far as the curse is found. And I found myself, he repeats that. And I found myself as I'm running going, he comes to make his blessings flow. How far? Far as the curse is found. How far? Far as the curse is found. And I just was this overwhelming sense of God's grace and love for our world, for all people, for his creation, that it just pours out and just fills up everything. And I was just like, my gosh, that's so beautiful, right? And then he ends off with, he rules the world with truth and grace. That's how he rules. And he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. The wonders of his love. The wonders of his love. And I, as I'm running, I'm going, wow. <laughs> so I'm not the only one. And you hear this from a lot of, you go down through church history, whether they're writers or authors or they're ministers or missionaries or just 
whoever it was, when they distill everything they've come to know about God, the one thing that stands out for them, all down through history, is God's love. That's so amazing and so unbelievable. And here it was the same with Isaac Watts. Beautiful. And it made for my beautiful run, as lousy as the weather was. And But here's the thing. Everybody sings this. It gets sung so much, right? And it gets airplay on the radio. And pop stars, they'll put their own rendition to it. And we sing. We sing the words, right? And probably most, not all, but most, most, probably don't have a clue what it is they're even singing. Not a clue. It's Christmas time, and it's a nice Christmas song, and it's nice, and so we sing it. And it makes us feel happy. We do that. We sing it so often, it loses that impact of the words that Isaac Watts wrote, and other songs as well. And I have found myself, I do that with scripture as well. I will read something, repeatedly reading it, like, you know, throughout my life, right, that I no longer give any thoughts to the words. I hear it, I read it, I can do responsive reading in a church, or I can, you know, hear it. It just doesn't have that impact, because they become just words. And this is so when it comes to the numerous writings throughout Scripture that has to do with God's love for God's world and the love that we are to carry to the world. Though Scripture is literally saturated with this message. Literally saturated with it. And we miss it. We miss it. And it's not just us. It's all down through it's human nature. So I want to touch on some of the scriptures to do with this theme. Because it is the main theme. I want to begin with Paul. Funny how my perception of Paul has changed over the decades. When in my younger years I thought Paul was firm, you know, cut to the chase. And, you know, he called it like it was. Today... Uh-uh, you know what Paul is? He's the love apostle, man. That guy just oozes this thing on love. Just oozes. It, it, he can't help. He can't write a letter without, at some point in the letter, he breaks out and just just gushes about God's love. And I want to just take a particular passage here. It's from his first letter in, to the church in Corinth. And it's about two-thirds away into 1 Corinthians, and card companies and wedding ministers and pastors who do weddings, we have quoted this particular passage to the point that it has lost its oomph, right? It's now become just something that Hallmark or another card companies use on their cards for weddings or anniversaries, right? And I want to read this to you. But hear the language, hear what Paul is saying. Paul says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith faith that I could move mountains, 
didn't love others, I'd be nothing. Zero, nada. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained absolutely nothing. Nothing. And then he goes on to say what love is, what love is not. And that's followed by the fact that the spiritual gifts the Corinthian church loved to have, and anything we could fill in the blanks there, anything we love to have, we love about church or whatever, about being a Christian, those things are going to disappear, Paul says. They will disappear. But there are things that won't. And he lists three things near the end of this chapter. And Paul says this, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let love be your highest goal. And that last sentence there, let love be your highest goal, that is actually chapter 14, verse 1. I think whoever, when they divvied up the Bible and letters into chapters and that, my personal opinion, they erred on putting that sentence down into chapter 14 because that needs to get read right with what Paul says. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let love be your highest goal. In other words, let love be the summit of your Mount Everest in life. It is the pinnacle. It is the number one thing. And you got to hear, this is coming from Paul, right? He has been overwhelmed by this love of God that had been shown to him. And he captures it in his letters. In his letter to the Christians in Rome, coming at the end of chapter 8, he comes undone. <laughs> and, I, and I'm wondering if what it is, it's just as he's writing something, just the Holy Spirit comes over him and he just comes undone at stuff. And he asks a question in his letter. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And he concludes there's, there, there's nothing and then he goes on to say these words here, and I am convinced, he says, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, I'm going to add lib here, neither COVID or restrictions or anything like that can separate us from God's love. Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Do you hear that? That can't separate you from God's love. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's undone. Blown away. Nothing can. Nothing. Nothing. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul says that when he thinks about everything that Christ has done for us, the only thing he can do is fall to his knees and pray for them. And in the latter part of that prayer that he prays for the believers in, in Ephesus, he writes these words. 
And may you have the power to understand, of, on, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. He's the love apostle, let me tell you. But let me say this. Peter, James, Jude, they're in league with him. Say the same thing. They're right there. They have the same message they bring along. And then there's little John. And I don't mean the little John from Robin Hood. There's little John who wrote those three little wee letters about three quarters of the way into the New Testament. First, second, third, John. And... Uh, First John, it's about the whole thing of God's love and the requirement for us. What I appreciate about the writers in all of Scripture is that they just come right to the point. <laughs> right? They just say what needs to be said, but they say it with such graciousness. And little John here, he says this in chapter 2. He says, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. That last sentence. See, here's where you got to say this over and over again to you to understand. Jesus lived the truth of that commandment, and you also are living it. But Jesus lived the truth of it. In other words, when Jesus was here on earth, he went about loving one another. And you see that throughout every gospel, in his parables, in his actions, in everything Jesus did. He loved people to the nth degree. John goes on to say in the next chapter, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions, because our Actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Hey, look, we can write our statements of faith, but what really matters is not our statements of faith, our actions. That's what really matters. That's what people see, right? That's what John is getting at here. That's what he's getting at. And then in chapter 4, Dear friends, I love how he goes when he has something fairly pointed to say, dear children, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Getting the theme from scripture? Let's move to the Gospels. When Jesus shared his last meal with his disciples, and this is found in John chapter 13, John records that he picked up a towel, 
a basin of water. And he went around to every disciple, every one of his disciples, and he knelt down before them, and he washed their feet. And when he was done, he says these words to them, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And I want you to understand here, what Jesus is saying is not telling us throughout all down through the next 2,000 years to wash each other's feet. That's not. That's reading it too literally. What Jesus is telling us to do is to approach each other with that same attitude that we are willing to serve the other. In other words, and he gives the command just further down in his letter, and it's this command here. He tells them, a new command I give you, love one another. That's a command from our rabbi, from our teacher, our Lord, who says to us today, who has said to the church until he returns, love one another. That's what he says. And he's very adamant about this. And he, I would say he drives it home saying that this and only this will be the marker or the identifier to the rest of the world that you are my disciples. That is what will mark you as a disciple of mine, is your love for one another. Now when you back up, when you take like a a 30,000 foot view of what Jesus has said, when you tie together what Jesus has said, what all of scripture says, what the New Testament writers have said about this, there's a common theme that begins to come out, that you begin to see. That if God is love... And John says that in his little letter, he says, God is love. But if that's true, and we are followers of Jesus, who Paul says, and the church, the early church says, is the visible image of the invisible God. And if it's true that God resides in me, in you, that we have the Holy Spirit that's within us, then it must stand to reason that God's love gets revealed to the world through us. Through us. That's how it gets revealed. The early church sang a hymn. Paul quotes it in Colossians. I just quoted the first line of it. But I think it was a reminder for them of the truth that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That was the first line in their hymn that they sang. And when I look at the theme, what the writers are saying, what Jesus is saying, the reality of the truth that we have died to our old selves and we are now a new creation in Christ, Christ in us, then for me it stands to reason that in the world we are the visible image of the unseen Jesus. 
We are it. Now, you can take that as a heavy, but I would suggest you look at it totally different. That every day I get to wake up and I can say to myself that wherever I go, whomever I encounter, I am the visible image of the unseen Jesus. And my highest goal is love. We talk about that we need to have goals in our life. And we think about the goals, the things we want to accomplish. This, you know, whether it's our job or whether it's, you know, as a parent or a brother or an aunt or whatever. We have these goals we want to accomplish. Paul said in Corinthians to make love your highest goal. And as followers of Jesus, if anybody asks, what's your goal in life? That should be our first answer. That, our first answer. And then everything else is secondary. But our first one is that, oh, my highest goal is love. I'm learning to love other people. That wherever I go, whomever I encounter... And I prayed that this morning in my journal. I wrote, God, you know, my desire today is that where I want to start today, that wherever I go, whomever I encounter, that I am maybe the only Jesus they will see. That whatever I post on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I've lost track of how many social media platforms there are. Whatever I write, whatever I do, I want to be the visible image of Jesus. I want that. This Christmas, while we can pray that people come to know Jesus, I would challenge you instead, be that visible image of Jesus for them. Let them see the Jesus through you. Let them encounter that. Let's get overwhelmed with that. Let's make that, as a church, let, let's make that our highest goal. Seriously. Let's make that our highest goal. I just want to just go into a time of short prayer because there was one thing that, as I was praying into this message, what I really felt the Spirit speak to me is just a reminder that there are many people, depending on how your childhood was, was never modeled to you what love is supposed to be. And so it can be very hard to receive the Father's love. It can be very hard. Because everything got twisted. Everything got messed up. And the Father just wants to come right now and speak to you, if that's you. And I just want to pray. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come to reveal His love so that you will be overwhelmed that you will encounter not just God's love, but you will encounter what love has always intended to be. So Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now. I pray you would come into homes, people who are watching maybe, or people who are listening to the podcast, that would you come, Holy Spirit, and would you just pour your love, touch them with your love. Lord, take them to that place. Would you go deep into their heart where there's been woundings or where there's been abuse or, or whatever has taken place 
And would you come and bring healing to their hearts? And Lord, would you reveal to them right now what love has always intended to be right from the beginning? It's you, Jesus. It's all about you. So Father, come and bring healing right now. And I would just encourage you yourself just to pray. Ask the Father, Lord, come reveal your love to me, would you? Would you show me your love? Because I want to I say this to you guys right now, that God is faithful. That's a prayer that God will answer. Because that's in line with God's will for you. That's in line for God's love for you. So I just say, come Holy Spirit. Lord, let your kingdom break through. And your kingdom, Lord, is, is love. The love you have for the world. It is what motivated you, Father, to, to send your Son. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Father. Your will be done.